Welcome to No Clip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutherford. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Amnesia, The Dark Descent. Uh, but first, uh, you may have noticed at the beginning, uh, we have a theme song now. Oh, uh, hey. Uh, it only took 100 episodes, <laughs> uh, but we... Uh, decided to just go on fiverr and be like i wonder if we can just get somebody to do a song and we did and the guy who wrote its name on there is speaker freak so if you like the song you can check him out and he i guess you can have him make you a theme song yeah yeah he, he does he's one of the few like people who does chip to uh, music which you think would be more popular at least i would have but yeah. uh there you go and uh, d- let us know what you think. I'm going to be fucking around with it a bit uh, on the upcoming episodes until I settle on something that I like. Uh, so if you have feedback, if you think, oh, your edit was bad here, or it- it's too loud, or this part sucks, let me know. I'm going to try and work around it. Yep. And uh, as always, if you like the content, uh, we'd appreciate it if you give us a like or a rating. But back to your regularly scheduled programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, was developed by Frictional Games and published also by Frictional Games and was released in 2010 on PC platforms uh, and then 2016 on uh, the other shit. Yeah, you it's got... one of those games that kind of staggeredly came out to like everything over the course of like five years <laughs> yeah similarly to every single other game that i've played on the console i was surprised to find that i could play this on the switch uh and it has a baller trailer that se- plays like a like a very serious bad commercial and then ends up being a pretty okay joke at the end so yeah i i already associated this game with the pc and didn't even think about trying to see if i could play it on anything else Mm -hmm. and just played it on pc well so do i i uh i'm gonna give a mild history Mm -hmm. not a full history just like a little bit of history a brief one yes uh in so this game developed by frictional games in 2010 on what they've called the HPL Engine 2. Uh, and HPL, of course, stands for HP Lovecraft because they're very ha- heavy-handed with their references. But uh, the reason it's the sequel to the engine is because the original HPL Engine that they developed was used for a series of games called Penumbra that came out, like, a few years before this one. Um, and I had, on a lark, played through that whole trilogy... Uh, which if you're considering it after playing Amnesia, play Overture, which is the first one, and then the other two you'll just have to dip your toes into because I couldn't really get into them. Mm. I finished Black Flag, but the third one is like a weird, it's not even like a traditional adventure game Uh, in that one. Yeah, I've heard of Penumbra, but I've never played it and did not know it was related to this game. (laughs) Yeah, same developer. Overture's really good. Uh in it you can hit enemies with a hammer which is not what you do in this game uh but (laughs) moving past that um amnesia is a horror game and it's not a traditional survival horror uh this game is responsible for a lot of things that we'll get into one of them is the kind of nebulous meaning that we have to attribute to horror game now uh 
I have in the past on this podcast referred to this type of game as a haunted house game and put it in league with things like Outlast and uh, what's the painting one? Layers of Fear. Layers of Fear. Uh, And I stand by that for the most part. This game is even more active than I remembered it going in, but it is still survival horror adjacent at least. Yeah, I really like that name uh, for like a subgenre. I don't know if that's an official term that anyone's used or if you made it up. But it I, I, makes it an official term. Yeah, <laughs> the no-clip coined term. Exactly. Uh, but I, re- I think that's a really good description. Um, yeah, there's not really combat. You're just kind of moving through a space and trying to... I guess you could define it as survival horror. You are trying to survive, and, and it, it is, is horror. But it isn't <laughs> in the style of like a Resident Evil, uh, what you would typically think of as survival horror it's more passive yeah it's super weird to consider this game in the same breath as something like resident evil because like the atmosphere is similar and like your objectives are kind of the same but the feel of playing the two games is totally different and like this game has a really oppressive atmosphere but traditional survival horror games have a tendency to feel more oppressive overall because they're also testing your like mechanical ability and puzzle solving usually on some kind of like pressure whereas this game rarely puts you under a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. but still does a pretty good job of making you feel it a lot yeah it's more at least in my opinion that it confuses you or makes you feel uncertain about things Mm -hmm. more than it like depowers you or makes you feel like uh threatened i think right depowered is a good term here because it's in other games when we talk about the player not being empowered we're generally saying like they do things that other games don't do in order to hinder your ability to play them resident evil's tank controls and like uh, shit like that pt being closer to this actually where it just doesn't give you anything like your abilities are move and crouch yeah (laughs) you can jump sometimes light candles yeah it's a very limited verb set and i think that that is like the reason that this game is good Mm -hmm. because anything more engaging than this and they would have had to have uh meaning mentally engaging not like the game takes you out of it Uh but they would have to have like applied a lot of mechanical things here and the ones that are there are kind of shitty so i i feel like going any further would have made this less enjoyable yeah like i um forgot to capture footage while i was playing through this and went back and replayed the beginning last night to get it Mm -hmm. uh and by the way if you listen on itunes (laughs) we're including video now on youtube uh if you were unaware this is the episode 101 scramble to get information out (laughs) we changed some stuff okay (laughs) um but in in doing that i realized how little there is um in the way of like enemy or like obstacles in your way in the first half Mm. but from my memory the first half felt more scary and i think 
it puts more of an emphasis on the sanity aspect in the first half. And like one of the first things that happens in the main hall area uh, is you go up the stairs to go to whichever room is up on the second level. Um, and you hear like a scream mm-hmm. and it re- makes you turn around and divert your attention to one of the other paths, like to the laboratory. And that kind of stuff is sprinkled throughout the first part to kind of keep you on your toes and like not quite knowing what's going on mechanically. And then that stuff really falls off. Like once you uh, descend like down the elevator to like the, the latter half of the game. Right. The, the wild castle in the ground. <laughs> yeah. Part. Uh, so yeah, I feel like it shifts focus kind of in the middle to, like prolong the length of the game i guess and i don't really know how much we're gonna have as far as like breaking this down like part by part but i do want to mention here the design of this game does in my opinion i would like to get your opinion as well really stumble in the second half um this game is that first part where you are not being pursued by enemies all the time and it's a lot more exploration and a lot of just kind of desperately moving from like lit areas and trying to uh, figure out what it is you're supposed to be doing, solving whatever puzzles they've put in front of you feels a lot scarier because it's so unknown. Mm -hmm. And then the latter half of the game tries to like subsidize the fact that you have additional information and know what the enemies are and what to do by just putting you in mazes all the time. And it's just not as an. It feels more lame in the like the game has been crippled by your knowledge meaning. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think the problem is, at least in my opinion, is that the game's just too long for the mechanic set yeah. that's in place. Like it, it's, it's as I was saying, and you were saying, it's scariest when it's unknown you're still getting used to the uh the managing of your light sources mechanic and you move from place to place it's got like a mysterious atmosphere you're learning the castle backstory the sanity and mechanics are a little bit more highlighted in the first half and they they throw in some like one-off things to mess with you so it really keeps you on your toes and never you ever it doesn't let you settle into it Right. And I think that's really successful in the first half. And then once you get oh so far in, that stuff kind of starts to fade away. You figure it out. And it the game realizes that, and it kind of shifts focus. And once it does that, it is less enjoyable to play. Like, I think they should have tried to wrap it up quicker than they did. Yeah. And it, it feels... Like, part of me wants to say, like, it is a smart decision because you do... The game does recognize where its failing is, Mm -hmm. but the solution they implemented could have been better. And I'm not 100% sure what the solution to that realistically is, but I like the way that the very end of the game works, and because of that, I feel like there are really clear points that they could have just, like, excised whole parts of the game. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. Like, I remember when I was playing, um, doing the whole first part, going through the 
water area um and then coming out into the um the back hall mm-hmm. and doing all those areas fixing the elevator and it feeling like okay and now we're like we're leading up to the end like that that <laughs> felt like it was prime for like okay this is the lead into the ending but then it goes on for like three more hours like minimum yeah what's weird is i don't i feel like i don't have a concept of how long i played this game which is strange for me Mm -hmm. but i think it has to do with the fact that i played it before yeah so it probably took me less time to go through it yeah it took me about like eight or nine hours to get through it Mm -hmm. and like i think everything in between when you descend down the elevator and like when you meet agrippa right which is probably like a two-hour chunk should just be taken out of the game. Yep, the prison and the this the uh, cistern. The cistern. Yeah, yeah, and there are like cool moments in those that could have been like repurposed and moved elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That I I don't necessarily begrudge the game having, but it does it does feel like it drags a bit. Yeah, uh, it's it's like they wanted to be more ambitious and to like make a more like full fleshed out game from what they had but they didn't have enough ideas to fully do it right in a way that was like like polished and enjoyable another thing for consideration is that they wrote a narrative around it and couldn't figure out how to tell it in a shorter period of time Eh, like maybe like there's a like they deliver it all through like journal entries you find laying around. I feel right. like that would be on the easier end of like having to edit down as opposed to like having cutscenes and stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean I don't disagree with that. I'm just positing it as a possibility. It's fair. Yeah. Um well, we should go into Something a little bit more specific so that we can, like, actually dig at this. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do still like this game to this day. Uh, when, it, when I played it the first time, I was... It took me, like, a year. It wasn't active play, obviously. And in addition to that, it wasn't like I couldn't figure things out and would get stuck. It was just, like, I was busy. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I actually moved in between when I started the game and when I finished the game. And I have memories of playing it in both houses, which is incredibly strange uh, for a game that I was really excited about when it came out. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah. So let's talk about how the game scares you. Um, because it's Halloween and because I have a related story. Uh-huh. Uh, when I was playing it in the first house... I remember booting the game up and being like, all right, from the makers of Penumbra, that game I pretty much enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited uh, to see what they have coming up. And I downloaded it and I turned the lights off and put my headphones on. And I sat in my little desk. Um, I just realized you've never seen the room that I played this game in. It was very small. And slanted toward the wall, okay. like at a high degree. Uh, and so it was like everything was pushed against the wall in order to fight the slant for the most part. Uh-huh. So I'm sitting in a chair in a corner, and my bed is probably within like a foot of my back. Uh-huh. Like I'm I'm in a very small cubby hole, 
with his little wood desk and my my laptop just sitting on top of it. Uh, and I've got, you know, light, lines drawn, lights are off, I'm prepared. And I'm playing through the game for about an hour. Now, you just played the game. So yeah. you're aware in the first one hour of the game, nothing happens. Like, <laughs> nothing that can hurt you occurs. Right. And so I'm playing, and I go, and I'm, like, you know, sorting through drawers and shit. Like, open the drawer. Because you got to pull back with the mouse to open the drawer. It's, like, very immersive for mm-hmm. 2002. Ten. Ten. Uh, <laughs> and I open the drawer and I close the drawer. And then I go for another drawer, but there's a chair in the way. So I pick the chair up and I move it. And I reach for the drawer and the chair physics falls back into frame. And I pulled my headphones out of the computer and like jumped backwards <laughs> like an idiot. Which is to say, <laughs> all, all of that, because the game focuses on creating a an atmosphere of the complete unknown they've just warned you that there's something following you and that's all you get at the beginning yeah um that's a really good uh story i think to kind of encapsulate what it's like to start playing this like that warning at the beginning it's like, oh, don't worry. It's like, don't worry about, like, what you're supposed to do. Just kind of, like, try and move through it. And it makes you be like, like, what's going to happen like, in this what game? Does that like, mean? what does that mean? Yeah, like, it already makes it mysterious. And the developer comes in and is like, this is about... Uh, <laughs> catharsis. Catharsis. <laughs> um, references that no one will get aside. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and you're not told much of anything you just like are dropped in and they're, they're like here's how you pick stuff up uh here's how you light candles uh try to stay out of the dark go and uh it does it creates this atmosphere of where like it feels like the possibility space is like huge like you don't know what's gonna happen so as you were saying you're focusing on like the small minute to minute things and you have this feeling like anything could sneak up on you at any time like mm-hmm. you don't know what to expect uh just a quality, you know, like a really good quality uh, of horror. And this really milks that at the beginning really successfully. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it is that feeling that the game loses once you see the shadow for the first time. Yeah. Or the grunts. I don't know. The shadow is kind of like an unknowable force. The meat monster. Yeah, but the big meat monster that you run into is scary initially very quickly loses that <laughs> like the the worst part about being in like a chase sequence in the game is the soundtrack is very piercing mm-hmm. and so it does get your heart racing but it feels unearned as opposed to the the initial parts yeah and uh, I don't know if you remember this discussion, but way back when on the Chrono Trigger episode, okay, we talked about this sequence where you are in prison and you had to sneak through the air, air vents, right. the ventilation system, and you're supposed to like look down through the vents to see if there are guards, so it, if it's safe to come out and explore rooms and stuff. And JJ described that as being like a super tense and memorable experience. Uh, he never got caught and he like made it through like really safe and cautiously and you right. know um and it landed for him probably exactly how the developers wanted to and then for me 
I went through, I looked down and found an empty hallway, came down out of the vent, moved one room to the right and got caught immediately and then realized there was no real penalty penalty to getting caught <laughs> and then proceeded to kind of just brute force my way through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like the monster in this game has a similar problem where like at first, like it does a really good job um, of you maybe run into the monster once in the early game and then you go down into the flooded basement area and then there's the invisible monster and you're that you throws you a curveball yeah uh and then you come back out and then you run into him in daniel's like the guest room right which is a spooky moment because you just have to kind of hide and then he goes away um and so it does a good job of like keeping you afraid of it for a while but then once it starts popping up more often you'll get killed by it and then realize like there's basically no penalty and then you'll be in like an area where you'll run into him a couple of times like pretty frequently like you will just like be running trying to do something you'll come around a corner and he's just there and mm-hmm. instead of being afraid you're just like fuck <laughs> and then you just kind of have to like instead of wasting time because he's already seen you and you can't hide you just run towards him and let him kill you <laughs> you know like, and it just starts to feel like it's a setback I can say that I never did that. Oh. Like, I never expedited my death. There were probably, like... I don't remember if it was the dungeon area, but I feel like that's where it was. Is it the area where you have to get acid from the kitchen and pour it on a lock? Yes. Yep, that that area. Like, there were (laughs) so many times where I was, like... Because it's huge, and Mm. you have a run button, so I'm, like, running around, like, trying to find where I need to go, and, like... He does have, like, a drum track that accompanies, like, his presence. But, like, before I can even hear it, like, I just round a corner and he's right there. Yep. And that happened probably, like, eight times. And I was just <laughs> like, god damn it. And then there's the area in the, the late, late game. It's, like, a big open dark area. Um, oh, yeah. The, after uh, you the choir. meet a grip. Yeah, the choir. And that area, like, if I ran into him there, I just, like, ran into him and let him kill me. Because I was just like, <laughs> you can't you can't get away from him. The choir, as far as I'm aware, is, like, a no-fuck-ups zone. Like, you can't light the lantern, you can't run, you can't really even walk. Um, because this is an instance where I think the enemies are a different model. And there's multiple of them that mm-hmm. are, like, throughout. So you end up in a situation where... You just kind of have to hug a wall and move around, which I don't even hate the choir that much. Uh, I I really hated that part. <laughs> but, like, they did everything in their power to make it as bad as they could. <laughs> it's really weird, because, like, I love the idea of a pure stealth, no other anything, but your visibility is zero, Yep, because you can't light the lantern. Uh, because it alerts them to your presence and they come murder you. You can't run away from them because they're faster than you are, which is important and, and good in the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. and bad and terrible in the choir. And, and running alerts them to their presence and they murder you. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you just have to crouch in the dark and walk forward. Mm-hmm. And the the fact that it's so simple not to do the things that get you caught the thing that you're fighting against is your own impatience like mm-hmm. just being like i can't keep crawling i'm sick it's to like, death yeah, of it's it. a huge area yeah and you have to like find 
at least like three different doors to find sphere shards or whatever you're doing. Yeah, and if you're going for the good ending, which I found out that there was one this uh-huh. time I played it, uh, there's like a, a a big mushroom in there that you have to break with a hammer and take the core <laughs> out of. And so that's like another thing you have to find in this big empty black mm-hmm. area. Yeah, so, it's it's Lynn. Uh This discussion has made me want to make two comparisons. Okay. I feel like uh, a game that does a character stalking you super well is Metroid Fusion. Okay. You have the, what is it, the SAX? Yeah. Uh, and I think what works about that is encounters with it are mostly scripted, yeah. if not all. Um, and that makes it like really tense. It's like a set piece, but it's designed in such a way that it doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's able to like catch you off guard when it happens and scare you and make you feel like helpless. Like this things could just pop in on you at any moment. Like it lands really well the way it's implemented in that. Um, and that's what this game does early. Like I said, when he comes into Daniel's room and you have to hide in a closet, that's a super great moment. Like that scared me. Yeah. Uh, like I panicked. I'm like, Oh, I got to find somewhere to hide. Uh. And like, <laughs> I, I tried to close the door and I only closed it almost most of the way. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Do I risk closing it all the way? Is he already in here? Right. I don't know. You know, so that was a great <laughs> moment. Uh, it freaked me out and it was scripted. So it, it worked in that way. And then I want to make, an obligatory no clip dark souls reference All right. where i think patrolling enemies that can catch you off guard work really well in a game where you can fight back in right. an action game like it's a great scary tense moment when you get jumped by like a patrolling knight in dark souls because it's not an instant game over right you can fight back and you can win if you keep your cool and so this game tries both things and one thing the more action slanted system obviously doesn't work here and the more scripted one does yeah i i want to agree with you but i also want to offer sort of like a slight defense of what they did sure um because you are correct and uh the only counter argument that i have against the action oriented part of it is that that is just probably because of amnesia is industry standard for this type of game uh, Outlast and its sequel, Layers of Fear, like any other uh, horror game that has no combat, generally speaking, follows this. Enemies are patrolling enemies, and you're basically playing a stealth game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't hate that. I hate it sometimes. And I've mentioned Agony before, but Agony was a game that I was excited to play, and it was terrible. And the <laughs> biggest reason that it was bad was because every encounter was just avoid the enemy who's patrolling and it just was it, it didn't do enough to make up for it uh-huh. i think amnesia does do enough to make up for it but my defense of the mechanic itself and probably the reason they put it in is because when you script every encounter with it then you have your care your players will not be as afraid if they don't think they can randomly run into it or that they have no agency about when it shows up Mm-hmm. And you do an amnesia in a way that I do like. I, I like the fact that you can take an area carefully and look like one of my favorite little mechanics in the game uh, is part of the sanity system 
is if you see something unsettling, it'll harm your stamina. And seeing something unsettling includes looking at the monster. So if you do run into one, the incentive is to like crouch in a corner and look at the ground like you're playing a video game version of the Blair Witch Mm -hmm. that isn't the video game version of the Blair Witch that was developed by Bloober Team last year. But that, I think, works well in the systems because you can't get comfortable. And Mm -hmm. the Water Monster is basically the better version of this where you have full agency. Like you have the ability to, you know where he's going to be and you know how to avoid him. And so the, the tension comes from your execution of it. And because the lumbering meat monster is not a, it doesn't have the same tells and the punishment is much higher and also not, haha, we'll get into it. Uh, <laughs> it works in the way that you talk about where it, it doesn't feel like it's that threatening. Yeah, I, I'll agree in pretty much every other area it is fine uh (laughs) it works the way that you are describing and i was just being dumb and impatient for running around but in the big open pitch black area it doesn't work yeah the choir absolute failure (laughs) in that respect um and the but also i didn't even mean that as like a takedown of your play style there Mm -hmm. um because i also run because you have to run right. sometimes. No, I'm just saying that's more my fault that I had a problem <laughs> with the dungeon area than the game. Yeah. The, I mean, the other problem that you mentioned that is very valid is that getting killed by the monster doesn't fucking do anything. Like, I, I don't know what I would want it to do. It feels weird for me, Chad, to want them to actually take progress away from me. But, like, in the in the dungeon, if you go into the kitchen... And grab the, or go into whatever the storage place and grab your glass pot that you need to get the acid Mm -hmm. and then die, you still have it when you come back. And it it really doesn't incentivize taking things in like a slow, cautious, tense way Mm -hmm. when you can just go balls to the wall and sprint for the glass and then come back. Yeah. The only thing I can think of, and it would almost certainly require some restructuring of how the game works, (laughs) is having like, um, uh, oh god what's it called uh, was it detention the red oh, candle game scam yeah. yeah having like little like save points like little like a shrine or something that you like stop and pray at mm-hmm. and it like saves your progress and if you die you respawn at it uh that sort of a thing like a, basically like a checkpoint system save point system thing like that yeah, it could, could I, work. I don't disagree with it. I think they're, the atmosphere that they try to create is like a weird combination of that like uncertain nervousness and also like a very relaxed, like this is a, a Saturday night by the campfire, not the campfire, probably more like a fireplace. Reading by candlelight. Yeah, kind of a game because it does do the first thing really well by putting you in this mansion this castle Mm -hmm. that looks like a mansion with all this unknown shit i think it looks like a castle it does look like a castle later the opening parts it's just like carpets and shit it looks really Mm. nice i think it looks like a castle (laughs) i'm not saying it doesn't look like i'm gonna give the art team more credit than you chad (laughs) that wasn't even supposed to be a slam that was just (laughs) 
they, there were some really nice rooms. It's a castle, castle, but uh, it looks like a mansion. Uh. Yeah, it doesn't look like how it's supposed to. I'm Chad. Uh, but yeah, it does that. The part where you don't know what's going on. But then the game is also like, the game saves your progress all the time. Don't even worry about it. winning. <laughs> Who cares? Just play the game for fun, you know? Like, it has this casual vibe at the, at the start. Mm-hmm. And it would be weird for them to then be like, but we better get to that bonfire. Yeah. Die and lose your whole... If you let the fury think, crawl up your arm. I think it would work better if they didn't tell you what it did. Like, they were just like, make sure to pray at these altars. Like, maybe... <laughs> and they, it'd be pretty obvious. They could make maybe the sanity loss more harsh, and then praying at the things would, like, restore it. Yeah. Or something. I think that Like, like I said, you would have to restructure the game a bit if you added something like that, but I think it could work better than what's in place now, yeah. theoretically. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree. It's just, like, there's a lot... This team did make games before it, right? Mm-hmm. But this game was such a breakout hit, like, affecting... It kind of launched PewDiePie's career, so I guess we can thank it for that one. <laughs> but uh, there were there were a lot of people who picked up this game, and I can imagine that the team probably has had these thoughts before when suddenly their small indie game sold millions of copies and they were like, I wish we had like hammered out the dungeon part a little bit better because now all these people are going to see it and it'll probably be a point of criticism on some assholes podcast in in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, So I, yeah, I don't know. I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just really yeah. like the game. <laughs> well, I also like it, but I was just thinking, uh, just random thought, mm-hmm. uh, and then we can shift to something else. But like, you could tie it into like the staying in the light kind of mechanic. Like, you could make almost like a Resident Evil style save room where you find a room that's like totally lit, right, or something, and you just kind of like hang out in it for a bit, and it fully like restores your your brain and acts as a checkpoint. Yeah, like, you go sent back to if yeah. you die. Yeah. That could be cool. You could even... I don't know if you guys are working on Amnesia 3, but listen (laughs) up if you are. You could create save points like Ori style by using the tinderboxes to light several candles in an area. So if you have like like, four or five tinderboxes... Or like rooms with fireplaces. Right. If you light the fireplace, it becomes a save room. Mm -hmm. And using lighting a bonfire at... (laughs) It was not a cliched thing in 2010. Could have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for that meddling from software. Uh, (laughs) Do you want to talk about the sanity? Yes. Uh, Because this game... We talked about the the true progenitor of the sanity mechanic uh, with uh, Eternal Eternal Darkness. Darkness. Sanity's Requiem. Yes. Uh, Last two years ago? Last year? I think it was two years ago. Two years ago. And uh, it did it in a very video game way. Uh, Eternal Darkness has a green bar that you can restore with spells and potions uh, and gets damaged when you look at enemies or when enemies look at you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it creates all of these like very Kojima style effects, the 
it says it's deleting your save and like fucks with the TV. Things that are like yeah. fourth wall. Breaking. They're yeah used for gags. Yeah. Instead of horror was like yeah like a big criticism we had of it. Yeah. And Amnesia's sanity system does still have a bar, but it is flavorfully represented by a big brain. <laughs> Uh, and it only shows up in the inventory screen, which yeah. is a good choice. Um, and it affects things slightly more subtly. They're really obvious bad ones. Yeah. But... I, yeah. The vagueness is what makes it work, yeah. I think. Um, and not being sure... I mean, that's, like, the big thing for me. Like, not being sure if standing in the light really restores it. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't sure about that all the way up to the beginning. And I think... I could have looked it up or I could have paid closer attention, but like that part of my brain that like wants to be off put by that, like made it. So I never actually like made the effort to figure it out. Um, It doesn't. If that makes sense. Okay. I wasn't sure. So like I was sometimes if I was getting, it had, I said I had a severe headache or whatever it is. Yeah. I would kind of try to just like stand in the light for a little bit. And I'm like, I don't know if this helps, but uh, I'll just do it. But, uh, that's yeah it's part of its strength and um the my my other favorite thing about it and uh spoilers for shutter island okay uh at the end of shutter island when he's talking about his wife and how she was uh, insane in some way had some kind of mental illness uh she was talking to him and she claimed uh that she thought she was going crazy and she could it's like she could hear something clicking across the back of her skull and there's a sound effect that plays in this game when you start to, like, lose your sanity. Uh-huh. That's like, a, it sounds like something clicking across bone or, like, two bones scraping together or something. And that's a, that's immediately what it made me think of. Because right. especially if you're playing with headphones, you hear it in your ears and you're like, mm. <laughs> like it makes you want to, like, run your fingers through your hair and be like, Ugh. Yep. Um super effective i don't know if that's what they were going for specifically but i feel like they were going for something in that neighborhood and they totally succeeded i mean if i had to guess i would say that both shutter island and uh amnesia are pulling from the same source here most likely it's like a an established phenomenon yeah right uh and yeah for me it made me think of like skittering like you just hear like some some chitinous uh, insects crawling around. Yeah, they do that as well. Like yeah. sometimes, like early. Well, sometimes they bugs. put cockroaches. Mm-hmm. Sometimes on the environment, and then later <laughs> they'll put them directly on your eyeballs. Yeah, uh, that's oh, one yeah, of the crawl across. Ones. The, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the cockroaches. Just a nitpick here are huge. They're gigantic. The, 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 the models are like. The equivalent of like the size of rats, right? In in the game world, let me preempt everyone right now, um, inc- except you, of course. Uh-huh. Uh There probably are cockroaches the size of rats. Do not show them to me. <laughs> <laughs> if they do exist, I imagine they'd be like in the rainforest or Africa or something. Yeah. So I just believe you. If you if you say hey yeah no they are there are giant rat sized cockroaches yep don't send me pictures don't yeah I don't want you can know send anything. them to me because I would want to look at them yeah that God. would terrify the shit out total of total sidebar but I feel like I should bring it up on here because it's interesting uh, have you 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 probably were the person who showed me this with a picture of a, I think it's a coconut crab oh yeah yeah on the on, on the, the trash can, can they are <laughs> fucking huge they're like three feet long yeah they're and it's like 
they were like in Hawaii or something, like somewhere. Well, the thing about and like them, they they have problems with them. Yeah. Like we would have problems with the raccoons, where like, they get into people's trash, and it's like horrifying. It's just <laughs> giant crab. Yeah, it looks like like a almost like an alien or something. Yeah, if you're unfamiliar, first of all, if you Google search coconut crab, the garbage can image will show. It's up. like the top like ten images. Yeah, everything. it always comes up for some reason. But the the problem with coconut crabs from like a sane human being's perspective uh-huh. is not necessarily they're three feet long. Like that is bad. Mm-hmm. But like. Spider crabs exist, and they're also really big, yeah. even bigger. Coconut crabs are so, like, bulky. Oh, yeah, they're huge. Yeah, like, they look like if somebody dropped one on your head, you would just die. Yeah, like, uh, somebody who, if anyone who is a uh, a game designer... Oh, it's a marine biologist. A, a marine biologist. No, a game designer is listening to this, <laughs> and you're working on, like, an RPG or something, design an armor set based on a coconut crab. Oh, there it That is. would be sweet. Uh, but yeah, no, they're huge, and they look like they could easily kill you. Uh, I don't know if they would do that. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so they're, 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 they're like freaky. The cockroaches. Yeah. <laughs> they're free- if they put coconut crabs in the rooms of amnesia, it would have been way freakier. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, back on track. <laughs> um, the sanity effects is yeah. what we were talking about. <laughs> I mean, I think... The majority of it, like, we talked about, like, the sanity, it has a few stages to it. Uh, the first one is just, like, the the sounds, and you'll hear footsteps or people talking. You sway like that. more as you walk. Yeah, which basically was a permanent swagger for me, and mm-hmm. it, for the majority of the game, because it happened so early. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it almost kind of started to make me motion sick at times. <laughs> well, you're prone to that. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so it's like auditory visual hallucinations, like then the game starts to put like effects on it, and then when you go crazy, when you get the three dots in your sanity meter, then it just becomes really hard to see or move or do anything, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know exactly how they balanced this, but in my experience, it's great. Because you, it becomes really hard to do stuff, but it almost seems like it always is right before you make progress and get your sanity back. Like, it's always like that last struggle against the forces where you either die and go back and try again, or you push through and succeed and you get the blue flash that yeah. lets you know that you're not insane anymore. Yeah, that is a good point I hadn't really thought about. Like, I have in my notes, which directly relates, that I felt like the tinder boxes and oil pickups were really well balanced or spread around the game. Where, like, there were only a few spots where I was, like, totally out of everything. Um, so, yeah, and it ends up with situations like that where if you are up shit creek uh, without any sanity, uh, you don't have to go too far before you get it back yeah and it makes me wonder if they pull a little cheat and like they make certain things give you your sanity back when they wouldn't otherwise if you're out yeah i think there's probably a lot more puppeteering of it than the game lets on but like it's not something that i really even want to know exactly like i was saying with yeah. uh, whatever mechanic oh the light giving you your sanity back like, you don't want to look it up yeah it's like the the you Resident want it Evil to remain 4. mysterious yeah 
it, it's like the re4 like difficulty like the the fact that it dynamics for yeah. you yeah it is like you don't want to know that when you're playing through because it feels like it takes away from like your triumphant moments in this game it's like i don't want to know it because it would make me feel less afraid and yeah. that's not why i'm playing the game so um uh, though if you are <laughs> okay i want to move on to a second half here sure. at some point um but before that i have one like brief thing i would like to mention mm -hmm. which is the game has two difficulty settings and i love this because there's the the correct difficulty setting normal which the description of it is the way the game is supposed to be played and then they also have a hard mode but the hard mode is described and is such a way that the average person who just feels like they're good at games wouldn't pick it because it just is like the crazy challenge mode that you can just access whenever like okay. hard mode is like you you can't you you have to save the game and you can only save the okay. game with tinder boxes and they removed most of the tinder boxes and oil <laughs> pickups from the game <laughs> okay so they just like dwindled your resources way down and spread everything out a little bit more and then gave you another use for the tinder boxes which is probably good i can almost see that being implemented in the normal mode mm -hmm. uh as i actually kind of described with the well-lit room yeah thing. the fireplace room yeah so i i do i like that it's there because i feel like people were like why does this game have like a hard mode or whatever and they're like here's the challenge mode. yeah and if you were really into this and you played it a couple of times you would probably start to learn where all the tinder boxes were and it wouldn't be at all difficult yeah once you like knew where stuff was yeah so it is more of a it's more of a challenge but it's so much more of a challenge that if you know nothing about the game you would never choose it yeah uh i mean i guess unless you're just really into punishment like i know <laughs> some people do do that like, yeah but you would just lose so much progress so often uh if yeah. it was your first time yeah so it's a good call to say that like normal mode is like the intended experience which will drive most people to that yeah which is what you would be good to do <laughs> for most people <laughs> and the game doesn't need to be harder to be scarier because the actual like dangerous encounters are like the yeah least scary the, parts the, the scariest game. part is the first half which is easier yep uh all right F first half what a serendipitous phrasing andy because we're about to end the first half are we about to descend down <laughs> into the dungeon mm, we have to fix the elevator first all right and there's gonna be a lot of tool noises and stuff all so right. we can't be on the podcast but so. we'll fix the elevator after the break i thought you were gonna say it with <laughs> <laughs> no uh that during. one was a back and forth during the break yeah that's what i wanted yeah What, are, what do you want to talk about next? So something that you mentioned just kind of offhand on the first half was the fact that you actually have to hit the interact button on an object and then push the stick forward or mouse if you're on mouse and keyboard uh, forward and backward to actually like open doors and drawers. Yeah. 
something I think is great in a horror game. Yeah. Like, you actually feel a more realistic sense of, like, dread of opening a door when you actually have to physically do it. Mm -hmm. And it's not just an abstracted button press. I think it goes... It it not only goes beyond that and how effective it is, I think it also flies in the face of your typical logic on this type of interaction. Like, the fact that they gave every single thing in the game physics, like, not Most only... things. Yeah. Well, anything that you can interact with has physics. And it's like, if you, like, opening the doors has, like, an actual feel to it, and the doors only open one way, and you don't necessarily know what way it's going to be, uh, which adds some tension to the, like, chase sequences, uh, where you have to be, like, throwing doors open as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has this, like, there's a dichotomy because there are things that look silly, where you'll pick up a big rock and you'll throw it like a football player. <laughs> and heavier objects don't go as far, though. That is true, yeah. yeah. So at least they thought about that. Yeah. And so there's some elements that are real goofy, like why you would be in this scenario and take the time to, like, stack some chairs up on top of a desk or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it faces it really honestly. And, like, there are even some puzzles where you have to, like, put things on top of each other in order to climb to new areas. And, God, I feel like I should hate it. Like, everything about it seems shitty and bad. But it works so well out of nowhere. Like, the fact that, that there are these physics puzzles and a few platforming elements. Like, it makes you feel like the game like anything is possible in the game space and i think that adds to that level of like being unsure about what's happening and led to my scare with the chair (laughs) the chair scare Uh uh-huh uh yeah it, it adds a sense of like realism in that way where it feels like whatever you have at your disposal could be used to figure out the problem Mm mm-hmm uh, which is hard to implement in games. Yeah. And there's some, like... There's, like... The, in multiple places, the solution is just to break shit, which is almost never the solution in, in adventure games that are structured like this. Yeah, like, one of the early moments, there's, like, a hole in the wall, and I was, like, thinking, oh, I need, like, a hammer or something to break this. But then, like, I go and I pick up a chair and throw it at the wall and it, like, busts a bigger hole that I can jump through. Yep. And those kind of moments make you feel real smart Mm -hmm. and cool. Yeah, it's a good way of, like, implementing puzzles into areas where otherwise it would be difficult or really contrived to put them. Yeah, there's probably a term for the kind of puzzle this is, but... We don't know it. Uh, but, it, yeah, it makes it feel like you used your ingenuity and less like you solved a puzzle. Right. Right? Yeah, like, it, there wasn't a rune somewhere that you toggled and it broke the wall open. Yeah. You can get a similar experience. I found this out as I was playing. I didn't actually do it, but I read about it. There's a sequence uh, in the end of the game where you have to escape from a prison cell, and... The way that you're supposed to do it is you break this pipe off of the, the wall 
and then you stick it in the wall and you like jiggle it back and forth and it breaks a bigger hole in the wall and then you reach through the hole you've created which is hard to perceive because it's first person it's the uh-huh. time at a flat plane you don't actually have an arm but you reach through the hole in the wall and shove this like wooden pillar down and it pulls part of the wall over mm-hmm. however you can actually clip through the the wall of the cell out into the main area but the game has like a weird trigger system so when you clip through the wall the other wall just falls over. <laughs> <laughs> which seems almost more like the kind of puzzle that would be in an adventure game where you do something that seems unrelated and it somehow affects this thing that you'll deal with later yeah like to surprise you yeah so uh that's funny and just a bit of an anecdote uh-huh but I agree with the majority of that. I feel like the way that they implemented the the physics bakes, the 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 baked physics, uh, the physics based puzzles in this game are generally pretty good. There's one where you have to pick up a board and slam it into a spot between some rocks and a fallen staircase and you had to climb up it and it just like sucks the board in when you get close to it was very odd and rarely done yeah. in a game otherwise i didn't even notice it the first time as i said i played the beginning twice mm-hmm. uh so yeah i was jarring the second time to see that happen yeah because i was like i don't remember that <laughs> it's just super strange no, uh, i don't disagree but yeah, that's that's probably what I have on the like very video game mechanics part. Yeah, that's not what the game is usually about. Uh, just one last thing on a mechanical side before we shift gears. Um, uh, we mentioned it earlier, but I really want to praise the invisible water monster. I I think it's my favorite thing in the game mm-hmm. um, because it is both like it's invisible like accentuating that like fear of the unknown theme um as we said borrows from like lovecraft ideas and stuff um and we felt like that was part of what made the first half of the game scary is not knowing what's happening and then but it also the water gives it a visual element so you can tell where it is or that it's following you and the feel like the sequence is like just long enough and you have to like navigate through the area without touching the water and uh and try to avoid it and i think it's designed and like paced out in such a way that it just lands really well like hearing it coming at you like the sound effect uh is tense yeah it it really exemplifies the things that aren't good about the regular enemy mm-hmm. <clears throat> because in the game they give you laudanum uh, as your healing item which you can use to restore like one weird text description of how much health you have left like essentially you have like three hit points in the game mm-hmm. and uh, the the problem with the regular enemy is that if you get caught once there's like a 90% chance that it's just going to kill you with the water monster, you usually get caught when you get caught up trying to, like, do something quickly mm-hmm. uh, because it gives there's, like, a lot of tension there. Uh, you want to, like, 
sometimes it forces you to get in the water. And when you get in the water, you have to like run for a door for the next place to jump on. And so if you get caught up and you fall back in the water, it can hit you and then you can succeed and get to the place that you're trying to go. And then the health means something, which is something that it rarely does in the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. So I was definitely really satisfied by that. And it mixes in the physics thing because there's the part where you have to throw chunks of a dead guy into the water and it like distracts it and Mm -hmm. it'll pull it over. And the sound design with it is really good. And like the sound of it, like ripping into the dead flesh is like both unsettling and also a great indicator for like how much time you have. Yeah. And it, it feels like it directly inspired the part in outlast where you have to go down in the basement and fix like the power generator. Yep. There's a lot of, I mean, Outlast, I think, is a game that owes a lot of direct inspiration from Amnesia, mm-hmm. uh, and it's pretty visible, but yeah, you're you're definitely correct on that one. Yep. Uh, I talked about the sound design there in The Water Monster. Yes. Um, but I want to say, as far as the like audio-visual presentation goes... I think the sound design really slaps and the visual design is slightly lacking. Yeah, I feel like uh, I have like one of my first notes is this game feels a lot like a early to mid 2000s PC game. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like the fact that you have to go into your inventory and select the key and then interact with the door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things like that and like just the 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 ui feels like so old pc game uh like it's just like this ugly uh compartmentalized like menu brown squares yeah yeah Yeah, i feel like yeah the fact that this is in an indie game from 2010 and like the kind of tools they would have had to work with or like what leads to that like the visual presentation feeling a little bit lacking because i do think this has some pretty good looking parts i like the back hall in particular it's my favorite area it's got the cool fountain yeah and i like the look of the guest room and the study etc um so i think that part looks pretty cool but uh, yeah on the whole it does look a little bland maybe yeah Yeah. i think the game, obviously, for um, for myriad mechanical reasons, largely takes place in the dark, and... That helps. Yeah, and I think that there's also a visual element to that. I really like the environment design. I think that, generally speaking, with a few exceptions, the prison, the cistern, that kind of shit, has a good look to it. Like, I think it's... It is creepy in a way that is very expected. Like, it isn't... It doesn't break any molds. And really never does, despite the game's sort of, like, more cosmic aspirations near the end. Mm -hmm. It is a very straightforward, like, castle, crumbling rock and wood partitions and mm-hmm. regular doors and padlocks and shit yeah old abandoned castle yeah it, it is is straight out of the old abandoned castle playbook yeah like i think they want the idea that horrible 
experiments and torture happened in this place to make it feel creepier. Mm-hmm. But they don't really lean into that. <laughs> sure. I, it has areas, though. Like, okay, we'll get to the end part of the game in a minute. Uh-huh. But prior to that, you have a lot of samey-looking rooms and corridors and shit. Lots of books. Bookshelves, very common theme here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... There are these, like, little interstitial bits where you'll find, like, a a place where some experimentation happened. There'll be, like, in the laboratory you have these, like, arcane, fucking wild, uh, like, devices and descriptions of all of these, like, ingredients that are unusual um, to sort of add a layer over it. Mm -hmm. But then the ones that stand out are like your, the, the anatomy lab where you have like the, the description of the dogs being tortured and killed. Mm -hmm. Um, because like the antagonist is looking for this, like the vitae of, of living creatures. And so you get these flashbacks, which I don't love, (laughs) but you also get just like the environmental stuff. And that I do, because it it really, like, parts of the game stick out in your memory because of the layer of horror and torture that goes on top of it, Uh, whereas I think the more bland locations are the ones that are, that serve bland purposes. Uh Storage doesn't bring, like, doesn't bring a vivid picture in my mind, whereas the anatomy lab sure does. Yeah, it just those areas, I don't know what it is exactly, but always felt really like separate from mm. everything else even though like the uh anatomy lab is just like in the study and it feels like it should like stick out where it is and be like, "Oh no, like some horrible experimentation <laughs> was going on in this otherwise normal looking area." But like it doesn't really hit like that for me, and I'm not really sure why. Well, that is an extremely valid criticism of any time that they try to imbue a space with more than what is physically there mm-hmm. later in the game. Because, like, the torture room segment, as much as I do generally like the amount of research that they did and, like, the very vivid descriptions of things that happened, like, add to how terrible it all is. They are literally hallways that lead to something terrible, and it feels like a slideshow of torture devices as opposed to, like, actual environmental storytelling. Yeah, and I said that it feels very early to mid-2000s PC game, and I guess to elaborate on that a little bit, like, what I mean is it almost kind of feels like a game made in, like, the Source engine, where, and if you're unfamiliar... Uh, the kind of tools that that had made it so that it was really good at rendering like boxy hallways. Like, you know, like it was very much designed for creating very like rectangular boxy looking things. And you see that in a lot of older PC game engines where like corridors feel very much like rectangular hallways with like a different texture set kind of slapped onto them yeah and this looks a little bit better than that but a little bit more natural but it's still firmly like in that zone and so it it leads to the castle not having quite as much cohesion and feeling quite as much like a real space 
as it could. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I was checking to make sure that HPL was not based on source because um, there are some and most people would just use the source engine. But because mm-hmm. it's open source code, you can kind of make spins on it. I don't believe that it was, but you can definitely see the influence uh, in the design of the levels. I think there was sort of an idea in the late 2000s about what first person game design is Mm -hmm. uh generally like when you look at half-life 2 which uses source 2 uh it has more open areas and there's a lot more variation to it but it's being made by the people who develop the engine so they have a lot of tricks that maybe they wouldn't otherwise Mm -hmm. i I think the source engine while we're talking about that and valve Mm -hmm. uh kind of led to the visual design of portal Oh yeah, like, like I, I feel like the the kind of strengths of the engine led to like the art direction and portal being very like clinical, uh, sterile, boxy rooms. Like right. it just kind of factored into like the game world itself, and it feels more natural in Portal as a result. Yeah, yeah, it's it's people who know what the tools they're working with do, doing what those tools do well. So. It does make sense. And as the people who made this engine, like I, the majority of, I think, what it does is its lighting. And uh, I agree, it, they could have taken more liberties with the way that the spaces were designed. But also you have to consider the setting and like the fact that it is just like a big 17th century castle. Yeah. So it is... I don't know. I I didn't take umbrage with it when I was playing it, but as I was looking back, it is just like when you go into that fucking shitty prison area and it's all like a figure eight of just square hallways. Mm -hmm. It gets kind of boring in those parts. And you think of like the like the first kind of like hub area, the like the front hall. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, like, I've never been in a castle, but I've seen plenty of them in media, and, like, that's not what, like, the entrance to a castle looks like, the way that front hall looks. You know what I mean? Yeah. It it, it feels, like, a lot more, like, video gamey, unless, like, they actually researched what, how castles are built, <laughs> um, which kind of goes to show you how our standards have shifted as time's gone on. Like, it seems like a lot more effort goes into those kinds of details in games anymore. Yeah. Talking about sound design, I just wanted to have a brief conversation about it because before we started talking about the boxy castle, I mentioned that I thought it carried a lot of, of the game's atmosphere. And I, I think that is true. And we talked about it a little bit in reference to the sanity effects, the fact that it has you like hallucinating sounds in your head as well as external sounds footsteps and screams and shit Mm -hmm. i also think that like there's a kind of echoey weird unsettling quality to the sound that i don't know it just is really appropriate and fits really well yeah there's like a because you're playing as daniel who was like a research assistant or sort of kind of we'll talk about the narrative uh, but anyway like he was an archaeologist or something yeah um 
who's been living here and like you have amnesia mm-hmm. and you don't remember the events that happened and you go through and you find your journal entries lying around in classic video game fashion. Um, and there is this kind of feeling of like you, Daniel remembering things as you play, like things will be like echoes of the past. Like it, it has that feeling of like things he's remembering. And I think like that echoey quality kind of plays into that at least Mm -hmm. in my mind like it's there's a familiarity to this place to him and i feel like the sound like the echoey sound kind of conveys that yeah the fact that it like as you walk in like to locations and stuff there are little musical elements that will play uh to signal like a remembrance or something Mm-hmm. that stuff all plays in as well and i just i just kind of wanted to to yell that out because there there are parts of this game that wouldn't without the strong sound design would not hit as hard as they do and i appreciate it mm-hmm. and ho- horror is one of the m- more uh important genres to nail your sound design in yeah especially because it gives directionality also especially when you're wearing headphones mm-hmm. and the fact that you can tell that uh, there is a mo- there is a monster behind you <laughs> through the sound design and the like the music cues and shit like that I think is important as well. Yeah, and it might kind of sound robotic to break it down like this, but I do think this is how our brains work. Is like music, like good music, can cue us into like how to feel about things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that obviously plays in here. Like when something scary happens, if you have some kind of scary or creepy sting to go along with it, it, it drives it home and makes it scarier. Yeah. It, it gets the emotional response. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about the story? I do. I was trying to say something about emotions and all that, but it didn't really come to me. Uh, but what did come to Daniel was an ancient curse. <laughs> uh, so the plot of this game, which is where it gets its name, uh, is that your character Daniel, and this this really this is the the bow on the package that is our criticism so, thus far. Uh-huh. Your character is not introduced in like a traditional sense. You wake up and start playing the game. And you're given this, like, fairly early on that you have chosen to forget. So you presumably know nothing at all. The note even tells you what your name is. And so you end up with this totally blank slate character. And as you learn more things about the plot, the less foreign and unknown everything becomes. And I think that the plot mirrors our, like, understanding of how the game worked as well, where it started high and then it slowly descended into not being as yeah, good. It, it darkly descended. It darkly descended. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, I feel like you get to Agrippa, mm-hmm. the, the one of the only characters you run into properly named characters who speaks to you uh in the game and it just it felt really weird to find him uh given how the game had worked up till that 
because like it felt like you were like the narrative was more of like this back burner thing or like there for it's just like a subtler part of the experience yeah, like context yeah like con- exactly yeah. that's the word and then you run into him and you're like oh <laughs> like the story <laughs> is much more in the forefront now like it kind of I don't know, I just wasn't expecting that. You know what I'm... Does it make sense? Yeah, I think it's because when you play a game like this, very often what the case is is that you are playing somebody exploring something that has happened and that there are remnants of, but it is not an ongoing thing. Presumably, based on the state that you find Alexander in when you end the game... You're reacting and playing through this game, doing things like hours after you like Yeah, like maybe a day later. Yeah, after all of the inciting incidents. And that is crazy. Yeah, it's not the impression you get at all. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, just, I like that to a point. Like I, I like the the you learning about the immediacy of everything. Uh, I, I don't think that is a bad concept in itself. I, I think what I don't like is Agrippa, specifically. <laughs> Agrippa is way too cheery and, like, is just a total cheerleader for you as you're doing the last part of the game. Mm-hmm. And it feels not only tonally out of place, but also just not what you would expect from somebody in his position yeah i agree with that 100 percent. It, it feels his position for the record nailed to a wall <laughs> <laughs> it's not a happy position to be in no um and he is immortal so he's been there for like ever yeah you said that he's like way too much of a cheerleader for you mm-hmm. and it, it almost feels like a shortcut in like uh to victory of, to victory um, but no, like to get you to like, like him mm-hmm. so that you want to put forth the extra effort to save him instead of like organically making you care about him. Yeah. You're a million billion trillion percent. Correct. <laughs> the Agrippa's like cheery disposition is almost entirely the only explanation that I can come up with is that people would see this mangled corpse that they put in the game and expected you to want to save and went, fuck it, (laughs) and just proceeded on with the rest of it. Like, even if he provides helpful information, he gives the impression of not being something you can trust. Right. You you couldn't trust anything else in the game. So they had to make him love you (laughs) in order for your, like... For, for you to change your mind about it and say maybe i will help this dude out yeah and it, and if they were subtler about it you run into the uh problem as well that it would his predicament would seem like not at all something you could help with yeah. so like they had to be more like on the nose with it and be like you're supposed to help this guy <laughs> with this formula yeah get these secret things <laughs> Yeah, and it's, and it is, it's kind of tedious, like his whole yeah, quest I, line. So. I, um, I looked something up later in the game, um, 
to do with his like quest line or whatever mm-hmm. like what am i what exactly am i supposed to do and like is there like when am i supposed to do it uh like, is there a cutoff point where i won't be able to go back and help him and then like i looked up what you're supposed to do and i was like oh fuck this <laughs> like uh, that guy can just stay nailed to that wall yeah there are elements of it like i kind of like the parts of the quest individually mm-hmm. but i think having them all together and in the place that they're in in the game it's like for me the the ones that the one that breaks it is the blood in order to get the blood that you need to, which you don't need the blood you need the the vitae in the blood of course mm-hmm. uh but y- you have to like have a string that you find and the pot that you've had, and you make a pot on a string, and then you dip the pot on a string into a grate in a hole in the ground in one of the torture rooms that if you didn't know you were supposed to be looking for it, you would have never, ever in a million years tried to interact with. And that kind of, like, kills it, because I feel like nobody would ever just... Because otherwise they're fairly convenient. Like, that one is there... The other one, you find the meat in, like, the only room that you can access before you, like, flip the switches and open the the two side doors. Mm -hmm. And it's in a fairly prominent position. Like, you just grab it. And then the puzzle with that one, I think, is cool. You just find a note that blah, blah, blah talks about the water monster. And there's one in a well. And so you put the meat on a thing and lower it in. And it eats the meat off of the bone. And Mm -hmm. then you pull the bone up. And then you can render the shit from it. And that all, that clicks with me as a fan of, like, point-and-click games. Right. As, like, some shit that I want to be doing anyway. But, like, you're going to run out of lantern oil. So you're wandering around the fucking dark looking for a little-ass little grate on the ground. (laughs) You don't know that's what you're looking for. You don't know that's what you're looking for. And I'm sure there's lots of blood other places you could be pulling this from, but it has to be this specific blood. It's very weird. Uh, and we got way off the narrative here, but like that is my problem with Agrippa. <laughs> he's tedious. He's way too happy, and even like I almost would forgive it if getting the good ending, the Agrud, the Agrippa ending, uh-huh. by throwing his head in the portal, just like ended the fucking universe. Like it was actually <laughs> the worst ending. Because it would be like a subversion yeah. of it, but it just like an wasn't. interesting one. Yeah. But then being said, I also said the same thing on a previous episode that I'm now drawing a blank on what it was. So I feel like, oh, it was a in Pyre. I was hoping that like, oh. the main guy in that would like go back on his promises and like cause a bad thing. So maybe that's my fault <laughs> for wanting things to just do the opposite. I mean, when they're so heavily telegraphed that they're going to be one thing, you want them to do something more interesting with it. Yeah. And this game didn't with Agrippa. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I just was yelling into the void for like a good four minutes there. And you described uh, the stuff you need to get to do his quest as being convenient. And I would say that (laughs) it is the opposite of that I mean, location wise uh, but that's it i i still disagree but <laughs> you're gonna walk past all of it anyway i don't know you are but i feel like it's all pretty obtuse and 
super easy to miss and tedious to complete. Yes. I also don't agree, or I don't disagree with that, but I just wanted to <laughs> disagree with disagree man. with your choice of words. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the thing that you, uh, as we describe, wake up maybe just mere hours after it occurs is that you, Daniel brought an orb a mysterious unknowable orb of properties unknown uh back from an excavation where you feel like something is like haunting you and so someone reaches out because you have disclosed publicly that you have this orb by the name of alexander of brennenberg uh-huh. uh which is an ominous name and he offers to like help with this because he's seen it before etc etc all the shit and the reality of it is there the orbs are this like unknown substance of some elder thing and he's collecting them because they can power a portal to the game doesn't tell you it's, another universe <laughs> or something it, yeah it's it is explicitly left blank to fuel the sort of like eldritchness of it yeah because of how heavily inspired they were by lovecraft and i want to say it's marginally successful at it yeah i i think that's a pretty big success yeah. like it would be lamer for them to say what's on the other side of the portal i think or like what his motivation is or yeah. why he wants any of it uh I, I do agree i i think that the the issue that i take with it is that there's two it doesn't feel as though the consequences of what's happening are adequately resolved. like Or even stated. Yeah. Like, you don't really have a motivation <laughs> to stop him other than he's the bad guy. Yeah. Well, the reason that, the, that Daniel, past Daniel, pre-Amnesia uh-huh. Daniel gives is that Alexander made you into a monster. Right. Which I think is valid. Because you go through all of these, like, scenes of you torturing and killing people. Right. Which is bad, I would say. Uh, And then you're given the, like, the imperative, like, go to the inner sanctum and kill Alexander. Harry Potter. Uh Uh-huh. It says. (laughs) But, I mean, he's just gonna, like, blip out of the universe anyway, so. It seems unnecessary. (laughs) I mean, that seems like a win for you. Yeah. And one of the endings is that. Yeah. Like, there's there are three endings to this game. The normal ending, where you push over some pillars, another good use of the physics system, uh, and then you he just dies, and you leave, and your monologue is like, it was my greatest triumph. <laughs> and I love how fucking just end, just over it is at that yeah. point. And then there's the ending where you throw a Grippa's head into the portal. Uh, which takes him to Johann Weyer, his fucking, like, old master, that he was his protege, mm-hmm. uh, who has already ascended into whatever plane of being that portal represents. Uh-huh. And then he does something to free you. Uh, right. And they're like, congrats, 
pet pats for Daniel. Good, good job. And then the third one is just Alexander opens the portal and fucking leaves. Yeah, and you die. Yeah. You get crushed by, like, rubble or something. Which is almost just incidental at that point. Yeah. Like, the door to leave was there the whole time, but Dan's just not into it. No. Uh, it's just... The endings are all vague, and I hate not being able to say whether I think that's good or bad. <laughs> uh, I know, I think it lands. I think most of them land. Yeah. I think my favorite ending is the one where he kills Alexander and then walks away. <laughs> because it's just very funny. Yeah. Uh, but I guess it's it's a very human funny good way because you walk away thinking like i accomplished my goal the monster has been stopped because you cannot know what would have happened otherwise right uh i don't know that's where i'm at narratively i liked it mostly yeah i i don't have a ton to say on it really um I I got the ending where you don't do anything and Alexander goes through the portal because I ran around that room forever and somehow <laughs> didn't realize you could push the pillars over and watching you do it made me really mad that like I was like how did I not realize I could do that uh but I think like narratively they're all fine like th- I think the narrative itself is just fine uh it's more about like the atmosphere for me and, you know, I thought, like, the endings kind of suited the story. Yeah, no, that's fair. Do you, um, there's one other thing that I wanted to mention on narrative, but it's more narrative delivery than it is anything else. Um, I love, one, that most of the game is voice acted. Uh, the fact that there are, like, notes and stuff that you pick up and it reads it to you. Mm-hmm. And whenever there's a flashback or whatever you get the that there right because that's like an to me that's an extra step that most games wouldn't take and even if it's not like every single one it's still enough that it feels more personal it feels less boring also to than to just stop and read like Uh there are games that i like that my biggest complaint is all of the story was delivered in four page long things where you just have to not do anything right. as it happens uh now yeah i would agree uh the voice acting is nice um it's such a big part of the first like half of the game like finding the diaries um or the journal entries and having like a decent chunk of them be read to you i don't know it feels like a nice release because you spend a lot of the early game being like tense and going from here to there and then when you find the papers, um, do they they restore your sanity? I think when you find those, so you yeah. get the nice blue light, <laughs> the ah, sound effect, and then you get like it read to you, and it feels like a nice like okay, stop for a second. It's like it's like bringing your character and the player closer together. Like you get like a moment of reprieve. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, that's a good because. That is a good way of saying it because the the game really thrives on using Daniel as a blank slate so that you can put yourself like he has no really noticeable physical characteristics. He does hold the lantern, so you know he's a white guy and he has a puffy shirt. Uh, 
and that's about it. Uh, and so those moments where Daniel gets to sort of like char- get become characterized, you feel like you're learning these things in the same way that he is. And so amnesia, while not the most unique trope in the whole world, suits the game really well for the reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I do hate the fucking screen effect whenever they do a flashback, though. I don't have any constructive criticism. I just don't like it. <laughs> It's, Fair enough. It's hard to see, and I, I basically always would just stop and wait for the narrative to finish. And then yeah, proceed. I feel like it's what it wants you to do. Yeah, maybe. I don't. Know. If if it was, then good job. Yeah, I don't know. At least that's the impression I got because I would always stop as well. This podcast has also stopped. So, do we have freaky thoughts? That's way too general. <laughs> descending thoughts <laughs> sure <laughs> dark th- do we have dark thoughts yeah, that seemed too like general to me as well but whatever um well if you've listened to the no clip podcast for the last year you know that i'm just going to have all of those things <laughs> in a row so yeah it's fine um but anyway uh i like this game uh, I feel like it's easy to criticize it. It's just one of those games. I think it's because of its age. Mm-hmm. Um, it has noticeably aged. Uh, but what's here, like at its core, is really interesting and was successful in a lot of ways. Um, it was still like creepy and unsettling and scary in places. Um, playing it now, 10 years later. Um so yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I really thought it was immersive with like having to open and close the drawers and doors. Uh, I liked the sound design, like especially the Sanity One sound effects that played in your headphones and made it feel like things were like crackling around in your brain and <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Um, felt like a game went on a little too long for the mechanic set, felt a little bloated. Um, so probably would have been tighter if it would have been uh, condensed down a little, taken some things out. But overall, I thought I really liked this. I knew it by reputation, mm. um, so my hopes were a little high, and it ended up being a little disappointing, but, you know, not not really that much. I still thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, glad that I finally played this, because it's a game I've known about for, like, probably 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah. Thumbs up for me. Very good Halloween game. Uh, not too long. And yet, like, one thing we didn't bring up is this came out in 2010. And I feel like it was kind of a shot in the arm for, like, horror video games, which were kind of in a lull at the time. And I think this is at least somewhat responsible for kind of bringing it back to where it is now. Yeah. I, I want to... Actually, I want to base my final thoughts sort of around that idea of reputation as well. I I think it's a little bit cheap, I guess, to talk about amnesia retrospectively when it is known to be sort of like the progenitor of what modern horror games are. But going back to play the game uh, that I, I played on release originally, like it was not a known quantity necessarily. Uh, outside of people who were actually hyped about it and 
it surprised me because the game, despite its reputation retroactively and despite its plot and its setting, is really unpretentious. Like, the game really lets the game itself speak for itself. Like, it doesn't do a whole bunch of, like, crazy effects and, like, the cinematic fucking B-roll cutting over the <laughs> castle and shit to make you feel like... Yeah, no establishing shot of the castle. That's a good point. Yeah, none of that. Like, it is very just... It puts you in and says, go ahead, and you just go ahead and do it. The game tells you up front, like, don't... The Probably the most pretentious part of the whole game where it's like... This is a game's blah 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 for the experience, etc. It's like uh, I should assume that when I go in, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, <laughs> so I was impressed by how well it held up. Is basically what I'm getting at. I think the game is still really good, and I think it's definitely worth playing. It hits a point on the like the the scatter plot of horror games that I don't think is really overlapped despite it being the like the thing that a lot of them took inspiration from. Uh, so it still feels unique and it feels cool. It's a good game. I like it. I recommend it. Especially for Halloween and to play alone. Don't stream this like some <laughs> jerk ass. Just, just sit in a dark room with headphones on and, and play the game. Thank you for listening to no clip this week what are we talking about next time next time we're going to be talking about the scariest game of all time luigi's mansion 3 oh my god this is a real like vanity one for us i think because we we were like what what games do we want to play for October? And we were like, we both want to play Luigi's Mansion 3, so we're not going back to Luigi's Mansion. We're not playing Dark Moon. Mm-hmm. We're just going to play the third one, because that's what we want to do. Yeah, and uh, you always lobby pretty hard for playing actual horror games, mm-hmm. but I like the idea of just playing like a Halloween-adjacent thing for October, so I, I think I pushed for this one. <laughs> so you can blame me if you're not into it. I mean, it'll it'll be a fun time. Yeah, one day we'll do Costume Quest as well, because mm-hmm. I bring that up every year. Literally, it's been five years of me saying, yeah, we could totally do Costume Quest, but... Exactly. <laughs> uh, so check back with us then. Uh, until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to all of our old episodes. Check out the Halloween episodes from like a million years ago. Uh, well, maybe don't. But from <laughs> ones from a couple years ago are still good. Uh, like you, Year Walk is a really good one. Year Walk is Atmospheric great. Adventure Game. And yeah, kind of similar. But you can listen to us talk about Pokemon Creepy Black, <laughs> which isn't even technically speaking a real game. Uh, that was a fun experiment, yeah, I thought. We do have a big backlog of Halloween stuff. Mm-hmm, which you can find, also linked on our website, on our YouTube channel, where there's a convenient playlist set up for all of your Halloween needs. If your Halloween needs involve listening to, like, 30 hours of a podcast <laughs> instead of doing something actively more fun. Uh, <laughs> Way to plug the podcast. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess you could be doing something active and listening to the yeah. podcast, in which case... There's nothing better to do than listen to Noclip. <sighs> Couldn't have said it better myself, as evidenced by me not saying it better. Scare that subscribe button. Hurry up and hit that like button while you're still in the light. Because if you lose your sanity, a big old cockroach might crawl across it and you won't want to hit it anymore. But it'll crawl across the dislike button too. Okay. Do you want to, but, you uh, want to but, scare uh, them uh, into hitting the dislike button? Yeah, yeah, I do because it's Halloween. Ooh. I want to scare them. You scare them into doing stuff that's good for our engagement. <laughs> I've made them think about the like button, and that's the important part. That is true. If somebody asked me what, how to truly be happy in life, uh, I would tell them that what I seem to do, <laughs> for some reason, is never stop thinking things are funny because I noticed that I started laughing in real life as I could hear myself also laughing on the recording. Uh-huh. And it had been maybe 30 seconds to a minute since I last heard that same thing that mm. made me laugh before. And I did again. Just, just never stop being like a child. You yeah. Know? Just everything is new and funny. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about Peekaboo, Chad's favorite game. It never got old. 